Hello, hello. I'm Sarah. And I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. This week, we welcome Kathy Dixon, who works as a licensed clinical social worker and a clinical director. Welcome everyone to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing someone in a helping profession, asking questions that you want the answers to and answering questions you didn't know you had. Oh, I'm well, I'm Joanna, a board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female and my pronouns are she, hers, and I got my first stranger bump touch the other day uh the first one boy Um, i hope i have no more i can tell you the whole story it was weird and awkward happened in a voting booth um (laughs) (laughs) so funny that someone a stranger touched you yeah (laughs) um it was like a little tap tap uh yeah so i can if you want to introduce yourself, I'll talk more about it or whatever you wish. Yeah, whatever order feels comfy. Uh, I'm Sarah, an LPC from Pennsylvania, transplant from South Jersey. I'm a straight, cishet white woman, and my pronouns are she, her, and I planted my first vegetable garden on Saturday. <gasps> and it was very hot. It was hot on Saturday. It was a hot day on Saturday. <laughs> yep. I walked yeah, like two I, blocks I, and I was like it. Yep. Oh, that's it. yeah. I, I had our neighbor downstairs uh, telling me what to do the entire time because I didn't know what to do. And she, you know, I thanked her for teaching me and not making fun of me too much. Oh. There's a little bit of teasing, but we got we got to be amazing. people together. Right. Thank yeah. you. And then yeah. I went inside for her until I guess I saw you that day. Right. Was, was that, that Saturday? Day? No, it was Friday. Yeah. We saw each other in real life. That's exciting. when did I see you <laughs> on Friday? We saw each other in real life for the first time in, in like a really long time, a really <laughs> like long a couple, time. like uh, since I've probably been pregnant. Is it my birthday? Yeah. I, you in, I saw you in October. Was that it? Maybe. So no, for the listener, know. that was a long time ago. Yeah, it was a long time ago. <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, that Tuesday was, was voting day and uh, I made it to the voting booth place, which mu- with much fanfare, all of the ladies there were like, look at you, you got here, which was it was it was a pretty long walk and I almost gave up halfway through so like the fanfare was worth it um but like the woman showed me into the voting booth and then she just like tapped my stomach like a tap tap and I moved out of the way because I assumed that's what she was like rudely saying like get out of the way and then she was like oh no I was just giving the baby a little tap um and I just stared at her because I was like this is so because like I don't leave my house a lot you know Mm -hmm. And uh, I hope that that's the last time someone touches me without my permission. <laughs> it was so strange. I'm glad that my, I'm glad of my reaction because it was like, this is weird. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was really strange. Um, there's a lot, there's a lot to unpack here, right? Yeah. <laughs> my, my first thought of that is that, I mean, that how many 
how many, uh, you know, women or folks assigned female at birth have just had people just touch them in order to either walk past them or get out of the way. And oh, like, I hate that. Oh, pretty, pretty. Oh. And like the lower back touch, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which hasn't happened in a while. Thankfully to me, I've also been at bars or single yeah. women almost 10 years. So that helps. Um, that like incenses but, me when it happens to me. I'm like, well, who am I going that's, to That's destroy? a very natural biological reaction. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're, you're being touched un- unawares. I mean, if we were, I don't know, if it was 2 billion years ago, our ancestors would be like uh, not reacting kindly to that. Yeah. I mean, our ape ancestors is what I'm referring to. Uh, yeah. But also like a very like inherent like I'm, you know, I was raised as a woman, so a very inherent, like, oh, are you just telling me get out of the way? Like, you know, a response. Yeah, because you're trying to like show she, me the voting thing. So I thought that's what I responded, like, oh, I was just talking to your baby, kind of like, well, why aren't you like paying attention to the context? <laughs> yeah, nonsense. yeah, yeah. And I'm I was like, this is a very private space. This voting booth, please give go away. Also, uh-huh. I know how to use it. <laughs> Um, but it's a cool one that it like prints it out and then you get to look at it and then it goes that's, through. It's cool. Um, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That sounds nice. That yeah. part of it sounds That nice. part. Yeah. That part was cool anyway. But yeah, I am hoping that I don't have any more people touching me. I mean, I think COVID has helped with like unwanted touching. Um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, but mm. it's strange. It is strange. It is a strange, it's a strange thing that we are thankfully working out of our system. I yeah, Absolutely. I agree. Um, um, yeah, I, I'm one of those people that I'm one of those. So very abrupt topic change, but okay. <laughs> I would love it to hear if anybody else experiences this. I'm one of those rare people that has a like negative reaction to springtime. I love spring. But my body is like, oh, I, oh, change. So it's time for like, you know, a moderate to severe depressive episode. So that's what I'm going through right now. I'm and sorry. no, I mean, thank you. You should be. No, thank you. <laughs> um, but I'm really, you know, one positive thing that I'm noticing is that like it just kind of increases empathy for other people that I know who uh, deal with depression. And also, this is like the first year after having like loving kindness and self-compassion in therapy. And it is, has completely changed the experience. Like I'm approaching myself with a much kinder lens, like focusing a lot more on rest. And um, it's just really, it's not nice, but it's definitely better than it's been. And I feel, I feel like the healing is more um, uh, less alert and emergent if that makes sense and more like oh yeah. come on girl take your time like we're cool like hang out you're safe that's take nice all the time you need <laughs> yeah thank you so yeah uh wondering you know if anybody else is having similar experiences uh the phone lines are open so give us a call <laughs> yeah give us a call um yeah. or an email I, I, like right now yeah give us um, an email right now because you know this is happening yes <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that. I think it's it's hard because we associate seasons with, you know, moods and emotions. And I, I'm sure it could feel different not experiencing like the mainstream emotion during this time. Yes, everyone is very, again, again, I love spring. And I think that the fact that I can go outside now it actually makes it easier. But just, I mean, also in addition to some personal things and just... I, the worsening of the environment that we're all living in is uh, not Mm -hmm. eating that but I I appreciate that thank you yeah 
so you know what we're all we're all we're all going through it friends we are yeah we are yeah and ask before you touch ask before you touch yeah. and don't tell someone who's depressed to go exercise oh um, no don't do that don't do that ask them what they need yeah or just like hand them a pillow i mean like we're all, yeah. we're all just trying to be comfy give them a give them a um give them a cookie or like a smoothie or something mm-hmm. oh that sounds really nice yeah which one the cookie or like a combo be? which is an milkshake a cookie right? yeah um, yep <laughs> a cookie smoothie yep <laughs> yes um, uh, yeah well any any uh housekeeping floor sweeping for you um i think in the last episode i yelled uh, do not go on a diet if you're pregnant um <laughs> that is i'm not a doctor or a nutritionist and there are instances where you will, you might need to watch what you're eating uh, if you're pregnant. So listen to your doctor. Don't listen to me because I don't know what I'm talking about uh, most of the time. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, Some of in time. that one moment, there was passion <laughs> and I got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's, that's where my floor is. Yeah. As usual, I don't recall uh, because I don't. You don't make mistakes. Remember, I mean that too, but like, yeah, perfect person. Yes. All right. Well, stay tuned after the break for our lesson for today. And now it's time for our lesson. The lesson is compiled facts describing history and or current events, good and bad, in order to give context for the field our guest works in. Our sources for today are numbered from University of North Dakota via onlinedegrees.und.edu, Lessons Learned in Developing Community Mental Health Care in North America by Robert E. Drake and Eric Latimer via National Library of Medicine, the History of Community and Mental Health Care by Shannon Bradford via Chicago Policy Review. Um, chlorpro- chlorpromazine, the first antipsychotic medication, History, Controversy, and Legacy by Peter Haddad, Robert Kirk, and Richard Green via British Association for Psychopharmacology. Ooh. Trigger warnings for day- today. We will be talking about criminalization, abuse, and neglect of the mentally ill very briefly. Okay. All right, Joanna, I do have some terms. Ready, ready for the terms. Turn right. me up. Turn me up. Community <laughs> mental health. <laughs> so this is just so community mental health is very broad, but it does have to include this following thing that I'm going to read right now: interventions that promote mental health uh, that are performed in the community instead of institutional settings. So instead of state or government, federal institutions. And here's this word that I. I had a hard time saying again. <laughs> Chlorpromazine, which is the first antipsychotic and was followed by a large number of other antipsychotics, many with diverse chemical structures. However, so far, no other antipsychotic has been shown to be significantly more effective in treating schizophrenia, with the notable exception of clozapine. All right, Joanna, we're going to go right to the history of community mental health. Are you ready? Um, I'm ready. Always okay. ready. 
All right, we're going to talk about our old pal JFK again, who we've talked about uh, multiple times in history lessons. Yeah. Yeah. On like the heels best of the friend, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Only ours. <Yep. laughs> On the heels of the emergence of the first effective antipsychotic medication, President John F. Kennedy promoted the Community Mental Health Act, or CMHA, welcoming people with mental health conditions back into their communities. The movement officially began in the U.S. in 1963, when President Kennedy signed the CMHA and community mental health centers arose in towns and cities throughout the country. Initially, these centers assumed a broad agenda, including all mental health problems and prevention, as well as treatment, which is very vast. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot of things. I mean, if you really think about it, most hospitals that you know of do not focus on everything. They have specialists in different areas or they have, um, or, you know, they have children, separate places for children and for adults and for adolescents. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Women's health, also known as health. Mm-hmm. All right. Ooh. Previously, yeah. these... <laughs> Previously, these individuals had been sent to state psychiatric hospital settings where they were being warehoused away for extended periods of time and potentially subjected to inhumane conditions like lobotomies and shock therapy. Now, this is important because I know that ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, is actually, as we've talked about, can be very helpful. Shock therapy is the actual shocking of a person to change a behavior. Yes. Yes. All right. Making sure everybody knows because... I think TV has made people think that ECT is evil and torturous and it's, yeah, it's actually very helpful. All right. Federal grant funding for community mental health and research centers alongside the adoption of Medicaid incentivize states to cut their budgets for expensive hospital programs in favor of government dollars. States eagerly seized at the bill. Nope. States eagerly seized at the opportunity to defund programs for which they had once footed the entire bill. The legislation led to the successful closure of state psychiatric hospitals in the 1960s and 70s, also known as the institutionalization. Closing state hospitals was a half step. The CMHA intended for states and localities to step in to fund the ongoing operations of the community mental health centers, but this was not enforced by the federal government. Yeah. I know in Philly, when the state hospital closed, it was a big deal that, that we are still like feeling the effects of now, even though it was many years ago. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Byberry, Byberry Hospital. Mm-hmm. If you ever want to look up Byberry Hospital. Yeah. So by the 1970s, community mental health programs narrowed their goals to treatment of persons with long-term and disabling illnesses and facilitated deinstitutionalization of this population. Many long-term patients were actually transferred to group homes, nursing homes, and other institutions in the community, but the deinstitutionalization philosophy did not result in significant downsizing of large state hospitals and of the total hospitalized population. The population in large public mental hospitals dropped from over 500,000 to less than 150,000. By the 1980s, what money was left for the program was turned into a mental health block grant that states could spend at their discretion. Thus, only half of the centers were built and none were ever fully funded to continuously operate. As individuals returned to their homes, many jurisdictions did not have the resources to support their returning residents' needs, which led to untreated mental health conditions, homelessness, and substance abuse, which can often be comorbid with mental illness and ultimately disproportionate contact with the criminal legal system. 
For Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities, they were even less likely to return home to the community services they needed. Mental health care was and continues to be difficult to access for BIPOC individuals, and this is reflected in the racial disparities in jail and prison populations we see today. Lack of community care has resulted in over-reliance on the police to respond to both mental health crises and everyday interactions with people with mental illnesses. Police preemptively arrest individuals with mental health disorders for things like wandering aimlessly, entangling them in a system instead of connecting them to care. For the ill-fated interactions that rapidly escalate, outcomes can be deadly. While statistics vary, different studies suggest that between 25% and 50% of police fatalities involve individuals with a severe mental illness. More than a third of incarcerated individuals in the United States today have a diagnosed mental illness. And that's just a diagnosed mental illness. Um, yeah. yeah. A gentle reminder to not call the police if your life is not mm -hmm. being threatened. Um, if you are in a major city, it is likely that your city does have a mental health response phone number you can call. Um, but again, yes. And I believe Unless that phone number wife... for Philly is on our website. It is. No resources. Totally, totally. totally. Yeah, it's yeah, on yeah. my website too, I believe. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Anyway. Oh wait, uh, Kathy, were you? Uh, were you? Did you want to correct something, or were you just giving us the salute? Two one one. Two one one. Oh, awesome. Okay. It's two one one in Florida. Correct. Two one one. Thank you. Everywhere. It's two one one everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> we will correct that once we. Okay. It's 211 everywhere. Two, I'll just one, say one. it a bunch and then I'll find one that sounds good. Okay. Two, one, one. <laughs> um, and community mental health today. Community mental health care includes provision of crisis support, protected housing, and sheltered employment in addition to management of disorders to address the multiple needs of individuals. Community-based services can lead to early intervention and limit the stigma of treatment. They can provide functional outcomes and quality of life of individuals with chronic mental disorders and are cost effective and respectful of human rights. Stay tuned after the break as we uh, talk to our interviewee for today. Welcome back. Kathy is a licensed clinical social worker who has worked in mental health since the 90s, specializing in trauma, especially in children and adolescents. Kathy is currently the clinical director of a community mental health center. She also has a podcast discussing pop culture and mental health. She's a wife, dance mom, and her cat tolerates her. She has an extensive collection of Wonder Woman paraphernalia, loves crafting, spooky stuff, and rhinos. Welcome, Kathy. Hello, thank you guys for having me. I love your Wonder Woman paraphernalia that I can see behind you. It's it's amazing. <laughs> That's a piece of it, yes. Thank you. Beautiful. <laughs> and do we see a painting right up top as well? Is There's that like a, a print? A very large oh God, print there. And I have it it just is it's quite something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you feel comfortable, we'd love to have a as an image of that that makes you feel comfy for us to post sure so this yeah, is sure. what we're talking about sure. yeah and my yeah, and my um my crafting I'm, I'm interested in what crafts you are crafting <laughs> so <laughs> my husband will joke at one point he said you know as part of my self-care he said you really need to get like a hobby and I said challenge accepted and and got all of them so it really just depends <laughs> on what my mood is. Um, Beautiful. So, yeah, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. 
quilting, resin, jewelry, painting, whatever. Yeah. Oh, resin, resin. I can't wait to get into resin. (laughs) I'm like ready to. (laughs) My husband doesn't know that that's the next step in my crafting journey is. It's so much fun. (laughs) It's where he finds out. Like glitters. Yeah. If you're listening to this, I'm sorry. (laughs) I love watching resin TikToks. Oh. Yeah. Something to check out. (laughs) Well, Kathy, as a as a person who's uh cats also tolerate her. I just want to extend Mm. (laughs) extend some camaraderie (laughs) to you. Um what kind of cat do you have? She's a cute gray cat. She's a that's that's all I know. She's a great cat. <laughs> yeah, cats don't like. We don't follow their breeds as much as dogs. Like, you, if you ask someone kind of dog they have, they give you like a thirty second long explanation of what kind of mix right. they are. But cats are just I like. Will, yeah. <laughs> and of course, you know, I got her from a rescue, so and she was an adult cat, and it's like, well, what is her history? They're like, I don't know. Yep, that tracks. Also, so. she's either fifteen or three. So. <laughs> yes. Yes, yeah. three is what mm-hmm. they told us. Yeah. Um, but she's very, she's actually very sweet, but I'm mm-hmm. in the rung of the three people in our household. I'm number three. Fair enough. That's, yeah, That's someone has to be in that position. Thank you yeah. for being brave enough okay. to take it. <laughs> well, Kathy, can you tell us a little bit about your work? Sure. So I'm a clinic director at a community mental health Um center. I actually technically have three clinics, but they're all under the same um, company thing. And I actually, I think I kind of fell into it by creating a community mental health center, even though that wasn't something we set out to do necessarily. My background, I had worked a lot with children that were in the foster care system or living with relatives and non-relatives. So I started with working in group homes, therapeutic foster care, and then I came to my current company and we were just doing assessments. That's all we did. So we were going to do assessments on children in the foster care system and they would go um, to court and case management to hopefully make sure that all of the children's needs were being taken care of while they were in out-of-home placement. And because of that, we had to get on a panel uh, from a Medicaid panel. And I'm not sure, well, most therapists will, will testify that getting on Medicaid panels or doing the criteria that you have to, to bill governmental insurance, whether that's Medicaid or Medicare, is something that a lot of therapists, if they're working on their own, choose not to do because it's a hassle. So that's how we got into doing outpatient mental health is someone from the case management organization approached us and asked us if we would be interested in in getting into the therapy um, aspect again. And um, I said, sure. And so I made the jump and started seeing clients again for therapy. And I think a large part of what happened is in the area where I am in, which is in the Tampa area in Florida, um, there's two main uh, community mental health agencies. But Hillsborough County, which is where Tampa is, is a very large um, county. And there's very limited resources for clients to have Medicaid in the part of the county where we're located. So I think we just filled a gap 
and people just started calling us. And so we really grew organically. I've been at this company for 16 years now. So we've been doing the outpatient mental health for about 13 years of that. And we grew from me seeing 16 clients to where we are today, where we have 40 therapists and we have over 1500 active clients right now. So that's just in general, kind of a broad outline of where we've come. The services that we provide are um, individual therapy, family therapy, group therapy. And then we do have three psychiatrists who do medication management on a very limited basis. That's what we have. That's amazing. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the resources that you give the therapists that work for you? Because I remember in our conversation we had before, it yeah. was amazing. Yeah. So that's one of the things, like when we, we talk about uh, community mental health, one of the challenges that we're always running up against is funding. So um, in Florida, the whole community mental health system is privatized, but it does receive a lot of funding through state funds. So a lot of our funding does come through billing Medicaid. Um, depending on how business structures are set up, they might be a nonprofit or they might be a for-profit business. Just to kind of clarify some misinformation about things like that, nonprofits are not inherently better at providing services or inherently more ethical. You can have some super wonderful nonprofits and you can have some very great for-profit businesses as well. It's all about the people that are involved with it and the services they provide. I agree. So that said, um, billing, any kind of insurance or billing Medicaid specifically, you have a limited amount of uh, financial resources that you're dealing with. So just as an example, the reimbursement rate that we get for a service from Medicaid is about half or a little less than half of what the going rate for therapists in our area that do self-pay. So for yeah. a one hour therapy session, we're getting about half of what they're getting. And with those funds, because we have a healthcare clinic license and we have all of the overhead of running a community mental health agency, we're actually doing a lot more with that less amount of money coming in than someone who's in a private practice. Um, so whether that's paying for the administrative staff and doing all of the accreditations and the electronic medical record and the facilities and, you know, emergencies when they happen, all of that stuff. So as you can imagine, because of that, there is a, a limit to the financial compensation that any therapists who work in community health can get. I mean, that's just a fact that a world that we're living in there, and that's really hard to manage mm -hmm. when I work with so many wonderful clinicians, wish that we could pay them their worth <laughs> at the hour. So working in the system that we have, it was okay. Well, but we also have to say, how can we, this is honestly, this is a, a mission that I believe in a lot because the clients that we're serving are some of the most vulnerable and are not getting services elsewhere. So it's my goal that they're getting the best services that they can get that anyone who walks through the store is going to feel comfortable, whether they're mm -hmm. paying out of pocket or they have Medicaid. So then we have to go to the other aspects of how do I support clients? And the best way I can support the clients is by supporting the therapists and finances is 
part of that, um, but also supporting them in terms of, I don't know, treating them like humans and nice. understanding, yeah, understanding that they have to create a balance in their life and that work is just a part of this mm. and they have to fit it in to the things in their life that, um, that bring them joy and, and, you know, all of those wonderful things, family, et cetera, and also training. So I think as we've developed, and that's the beauty of having myself and our executive director from the get-go be able to develop this particular program is we've had so many conversations about culture of the agency and who we are and how do we see ourselves. And what we kind of ended on is we feel like we're a really great place for newer clinicians to have a lot of support to gain the clinical experience, the supervision, they have access to a lot of trainings um, and learn the other aspects about things. Like if they did want to go into um, private practice someday, having more of the skills and knowledge of how to do that. Cause I know both of you guys are in private practice and it does not come with a manual. It's not something they teach in graduate school. <laughs> no, it is not. Yeah. Yeah, like so, how to make a letterhead because you need to get a mailbox because like and that's the only yeah. thing they'll accept and yeah yeah it's it's a lot <laughs> um so I've, I've kind of even just from the very basics of organizing your schedule like even people who think very much that they have great boundaries and great organizational skills um it's different when you're suddenly setting those boundaries and limits for yourself with your clients and you're trying to balance the things that you're doing in your private life and the work that you're doing, especially because therapists are built like we're just built because we want to help people. And so boundaries don't always come supernatural to us. So there's a lot of mentoring that we do. We do uh, a lot of um, support when we onboard people and then do a lot of mentoring. So that's, oh, that's, that's so that's wonderful. I, I hear so much about, about private, like group private practices and like maybe other community mental health centers that will really just take in therapists and just kind of like chew them up and spit them out and hearing this, hearing this approach you take of offering education that is accessible and teaching them how to do things so that they can grow and giving them a first job that doesn't take them for granted and take advantage of them and humanizes them. I mean, when you're talking about mentoring, you're really, you're really helping folks that are in a field that is, I mean, it's, it's a lot of women, right. And mm -hmm. it's a lot of people in an emotionally laborious job that are underpaid, which is like the trifecta of the female helper role. And of course, you know, it's, um, yeah, there's a lot to think about there, but you're offering, you're offering education and mentoring for people that are not only struggling with that because they're therapists, but because they are coming in with this idea that their identity is just meant to be helpful. And right. yeah, I love that. That is so cool. What a good idea. Yeah. yeah. And it's, um, thank you. I mean, we work, we work hard at it and, and I will see, you know, other agencies that I'm like, Oh, I just wish I could get in there and be like, look, there's just a few little things that you could do that really make a difference um, mm -hmm. in, in terms of that. 
So, and, and trying to create an atmosphere too that it trickles down. So we, I have an open door policy, all of the other administrative staff also, um, but, but then I'll see all of the therapists that, that they support each other and, um, and, and try, you know, some of them will put, you know, if you see my door open and you have a few minutes, come in and chat, come have lunch with me. Um, and they're all contractors. So that's mm-hmm. also a different thing that most of them, you know, if they're not seeing clients, they're not here. So they've really developed this community as well of support, which is just wonderful. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember how important it was to have doors open, especially after COVID and no, like no one was in the office. So just like, no, I'm not alone in here. Like the lights turn off and you're like, oh, yeah, I guess I'm I all t- alone. <laughs> <laughs> I made, I made, um, so when we do the new hire uh, training, um, it's a process. So we do two full days that are in the office, a lot of it just going over the EMR and policies and procedures. And then the next six weeks, we do two hour trainings once a week as they're building up their caseload, because now they're experiencing things. It's going to, questions are going to come up um, and they're meeting with our assistant director, Manami, one hour a week to do mentoring. But I have a few rules for my trainings and I was joking with them. We did a new hire training last week and I was joking with them and I was going to make a shirt and I did show up on the second day with a shirt and my rules are ask questions. So ask questions, like don't expect that we, we don't expect that you're going to figure it out all on your own. Just ask, like we have email, text, call, whatever, um, ask questions. Number two, stop apologizing. I have so many people, I'll give them, I would, my my rule used to just be stop, I mean, ask questions. And then people would apologize for asking the questions. I'm like, you're literally doing what I told you to do. So stop apologizing. And then that also goes into a lot of that socialization with women and how we apologize for existing. And then I added the third one, which is stop panicking because, or don't panic. Because if we start to panic, then we start to ignore rules one and two. So those are my basic rules for existing here as a new therapist. Everything else we can manage, like you're not gonna break the EMR. As long as you don't harm your clients, like we've got this. (laughs) Yeah. And for those uh, who don't know, EMR stands for electronic medical records, um, which are a a backbone and a bane of- um, Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, I love that rule of don't panic because I think, I think that once I started my own private practice, that's when I stopped panicking. But like my first like five years as a therapist, I was like, I'm just fucking scared. I'm going to ruin everything and I will break everything and I will have to go to court and I will be arrested and I will find (laughs) all of my money because I'm just going to, you know, ruin everything. So I I love the don't panic rule. (laughs) But that's a very real thing for therapists, and especially if you're a therapist with anxiety. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. oh, I don't I, know I what have, that's like. <laughs> I found there's like a sweet spot with anxiety with therapists. So um, a certain amount, that's what keeps us honest. That's what keeps mm-hmm. us like doing the right thing and getting our paperwork done. <laughs> but then it goes into debil- debilitating. So that's yeah. where we want to find that sweet spot there. 
yeah also something that I deal with (laughs) so yeah yeah I yeah this is just bringing back memories of you know just like being a new hire too and like wandering around trying to find somebody (laughs) and like I don't I only know two people's names and like I have to do this whole sheet and it seemed really important and I don't know where to put it or what to do with it and then no one's gonna get billed and then I'm gonna get fired and (laughs) immediately it goes to yeah Mm -hmm. I text somebody and they're like am I in trouble should you be (laughs) so and I for sure I've I've had people that they've moved on um and start a new position they'll text me like their first or second day and they're like I miss you (laughs) oh yeah you've got this yeah I think it's just so important to create that sense of like uh, supportive community within therapists because I feel like we definitely default especially when we're exploited and burn out to complaining and like isolating mm-hmm. and you know not I mean everyone is allowed to complain but overly com- mm-hmm. like I know I am guilty of just like you know being in a mood and complaining sure oh. same <laughs> being in a mood for like a month <laughs> and, or more a year sure. maybe more, yeah and and I'm sure that a lot of clinicians may not have the same perception of me that I'm hoping and I also know that that's something that we continuously work on but Mm. you know it's just a part of it over time especially when you have four you know 40 people that that we're trying to take care of and I do I take that responsibility really to heart and and that's one of the things that was a struggle for me because I'm a social worker, right? I come from that aspect of just wanting to help people, but also it's a business. So we have a responsibility to all of the staff that work here that they have a paycheck every two weeks because their families depend on that. We have Mm -hmm. a responsibility to our clients that when they come for their session, that the doors are open, all of those things. And so um, my executive director has more of that you know, he has that business background. So we really, you know, he, he balances me out in that. Oh, we need to do this. This he's like, well, and then I balance him out when he gets on that end. I'm like, well, you have to understand. I know last week we were talking a lot just about how hard it is to be a therapist right now, mm-hmm. especially it's always difficult to do that, but our clients are struggling more. And then for the first time, in well in my career which has been over 20 years that the therapists are going through a lot of the same traumas and stressors that our clients are yeah um so it's just really hard so I don't have an answer for that but it is Mm -hmm. something that we have to be aware of absolutely it's a nice reminder too I mean like every if if we are feeling down or if we are feeling distressed we already know that being a therapist is a hard job but also just a reminder that we are living in very unique times um yeah 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 can you talk since you run such a i mean since you run such a ethical and like like worker oriented and patient oriented which places Mm -hmm. usually don't do both can you talk about some roadblocks that you might run into with that sure um let's see no, I made some notes for myself. <laughs> nice. That's great. Um, we talked about the financial 
Um, yeah, I mean, and that's certainly a huge roadblock. I, yeah, just to not yeah. be able to, yeah. It, that's, that's one of the biggest ones in terms of um, retention of staff. So even with that, I mean, we, we re- our average for retaining staff is at, uh, around three years. So, but we've had some therapists who've been here 10 years. Um, and on top of that, uh, reimbursement rates for Medicaid has not increased in at least 20 years. So we're being paid the same amount for a one hour service as we did 20 years ago. And inflation, it's that same dollar yeah. would now be a dollar sixty-nine. So inflation's gone up, but our and reimbursement hasn't. So those are the biggest things. Um you know, I, I don't personally think that the requirements from Medicaid are outrageous um, in terms of, you, you know, you do an assessment, you do your sessions, um, you do treatment plans um, and review them. But even that's not, you only have to review them every six months. So it's not an out- absurd amount of time there. And we do get... Um, a decent amount of services that are that you don't even have to ask for. Um, but that is something that we do run into every year that you get X amount of sessions for the year or mm-hmm. X amount of hours for the year. And, and that's it. And so every year we do a program or start to monitor these to come up with a plan for the clients of how do we, how do we make sure their needs are met? Because a big part of the population that we're dealing with have a lot of needs. So we have to balance, do they need more intensity right now where they need more frequent or a longer duration of services versus are they gonna be here a long time? So if they're going to be here more than a year, um, then we can't see them every week for 60 minutes. We have to start working towards biweekly sooner because they're gonna need those benefits stretched out. So kind of managing with that in that system. Um, transportation used to be a bigger barrier, but now we have technology so we can do virtual. So that actually has helped on that end. That's and, I was, uh, I was, you must've read my mind because I was just about to ask about transportation because I feel like that's a whole other aspect to um, a community mental health center that people don't know. And yes. it's so frustrating. <laughs> it's like, I've run after cars. Like, don't, it's, you know. Yes. Well, and, and that's something for us. So my executive director, he comes from a hospital administration okay. background and um, everything from when we opened a new office um, in a different part of town, then we are looking at population centers within a certain radius. Because once we know, once we go past a certain, you know, radius, 10 miles, people aren't coming. They, they can. Mm-hmm. So what is our proximity to the bus route? What is the availability? Um, you know, just where is the population centers? If we stuck our office in the middle of a rural area, or if we stuck our office in the middle of an area that had uh, a higher socioeconomic background of then we're not going to have as many clients that have Medicaid that live in that area that would be able to get there. So those are all things that we have to look at. Um, And at the beginning of the pandemic, when Mm -hmm. virtual services were new for most everybody, including ourselves, 
technology issues just kind of replace transportation issues. But in the last couple of years, everybody got pretty proficient at using virtual services. So that has been less of an issue than it was two years ago. But yeah, that's for sure a barrier. Yeah. And there's like paperwork along with transportation and it's calling and yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. I yeah, don't we've been talking that. about we, we've talked about public transportation a lot in our last couple episodes, and I'm very mm. grateful for that because that is that's a very uniquely U.S. problem that you can't be relying on uh, public transportation to get you places because it's really just not available in all places, right. and you cannot blame individuals for not wanting to take hours out of their day to walk to places. You, right. you can't and yeah. it's, it's really impossible especially if folks right. are, are are not able to walk to places yeah and and some of the barriers in our specific geographical place so as i was saying before the county that we're in is is very large um our office is situated in the eastern part of the county um and the eastern and the more southern part of the county are very rural so there's a lot of we're still in a suburb we're still in a more population dense area but the areas around us, um, there's a lot of farms, there's a lot of migrant communities. So then we're dealing with, the, I mean, they don't have any place near there. So we're getting clients that are coming from farther just because they don't have anywhere. And then we also have, besides being in Florida and then living in a, in a farm area, and we have a lot of Spanish speaking clients. So that's something that we're all always having to manage is making sure that we have enough Spanish speaking or bilingual therapists um, for the clients that we deal with. So I think we have five, six right now. Wow. That's great. What a, what a wonderful thing to prioritize. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Was there anything and, that's a, Oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say the other thing too, in, in different States for Medicaid. So each state gets Medicaid funding and then allocates it how they decide to. So Medicaid is based on, uh, it's income-based. So whereas Medicare is for uh, retired persons or people with disabilities and Medicaid is all income-based. And in Florida, we did not take expanded, the federal expanded funds for Medicaid. So we don't have as much federal monies for Medicaid that some other states do. So as a kind of consequence of that, um, it is very hard for adults in Florida to qualify for Medicaid. So most of our clients are 18, uh, under 18 um, mm. that have Medicaid. Wow. Mm. Yeah. And it's so complicated state to state. I know because I worked with older adults in Pennsylvania. So the switch yep. from Medicaid to Medicare and how long it takes and what. Yep. And then there's hoops there. So like Medicare, you have to be a licensed social worker. You can't be a licensed yep. mental health therapist. Well, we have all of those. So mm-hmm. it doesn't, it never made sense for us to go that route just because we wouldn't always be able to guarantee that we had a therapist to help someone who's calling. And by the time someone calls and say, I need help, they needed help yesterday. They can't wait until I say, well, at some point we'll have a therapist that takes your insurance that opens up, but I can't tell you if it's a week or a month or two months from now. That's not helpful. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's the same way in here in Pennsylvania. Um, mm-hmm. I think licensed clinical social workers 
can only bill through Medicare. So myself being an LPC, when I had clients switching from Medicaid to Medicare, it was also like, okay, I can't see you anymore. Right. Um, which is like, you know, I'll, they're like, wait, but never mind. I don't want to do it then. And right. Like, but you have to. Right. Yeah, because your other option is pay out of pocket, and that's that's like ludicrous to ask someone on a fixed income to do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if someone qualifies for Medicaid, they don't have even even paying out of pocket a Medicaid rate. They don't have that mm-hmm. um, extra money. No. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about the Medicaid, uh, the the pay not increasing in 20 years. I mean, it's the exact same thing with our minimum wage too, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. That I think, I think was established in 98 or, or yeah. something like late, later mid nineties. So just for Basically anybody listening, they the have, exactly. So <laughs> the minimum wage has been the same since before September 11th, way before. Yeah. In case you have ever had any thoughts about that, uh, not being higher than it should be. <laughs> Take yes. that to the bank. <laughs> or don't because one, one, <laughs> one of the things we decided to do though is we do have a student intern program and so we've developed a pro bono program that um for that and actually one of our student interns jennifer um who just graduated and then joined us this week this is her first week officially um so she developed that and so um we have a, a lot of especially like parents that are either uninsured or underinsured, but needed help and support too. We're able to help with that program. So I'm very excited about it. That's great. Congrats. Yeah. Congrats to you and Jennifer. That's yes. so cool. Because it's so, I mean, when it's somebody's first, you know, uh, first entrance into mental health care and then like a year in their therapist is like, your insurance doesn't allow me to see you anymore. It's so devastating. devastating. Um, so to just have the ability to be like, okay, you can, you can't see me, but you can see someone else here. I know them. It's going to be the same place. Like to try to make that transition as comfortable as possible because it's scary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to kind of go with the, obviously you talked about the history of community mental health and it's coming from a deinstitutionalization. But one of the things that's happened is it's very difficult to get higher levels of care. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult. There's not a lot of in-between levels of care or it serves a small amount of people because there's just not a lot of funding for it. So what I mean by that is like an intensive outpatient program or a partial hospitalization or twice a week or in home or all the way up to going to a um, inpatient program. So it is difficult and it's a process. Um, Mm -hmm. So that is something that that we're constantly trying to to battle. And and sometimes it feels like working with twist ties to try to get your clients the help that they need and work with the agencies around. And and that's frustrating. Yeah. Mm Yeah, it was also making me think of, we kind of mentioned this in, in the history lesson that, you know, mental health kind of just gets one huge umbrella and there's not, you know, as I feel like with like IOPs and PHPs that there is some more like, you know, this is for, um, you know, borderline personality disorder. This is for mood disorders. This is for this, this is for that. And I can't imagine how hard it is like to cover 
all of like I, I feel like there just needs to be also more specializations right and I, I don't know where my thought is going on that but it was just yeah. all I had I think I think it got there okay yeah, <laughs> this is not it's not just one thing yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. well and you can imagine it's it, it, even if you have someone that can pay out of pocket how difficult it is to find the specialized service they need but it is a little more possible that to find a specialized service for someone who has Medicaid, forget it, forget it. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, you know, I'm in some Facebook groups and stuff with area uh, therapists and I'll post sometimes like, hey, does anyone know um, eating disorder program that takes us crickets, crickets, mm-hmm. yeah, nothing. So mm-hmm we're forced to make do with what we have to find the clinicians that have any experience at all in, um, in treating those specific things. So for Mm -hmm. sure. And I get so, and I'm sure you guys do too, with just frustrated with politicians and the powers that be that just talk about mental health, mental health, mental health. And it's like, do something. You're literally the people that can do something and start with increasing funding. Oh, I, ugh, I, I'm nauseated every time, every time a national tragedy happens and it is, it is very passively, but aggressively blamed on mental health and which like could certainly be part of it, but don't like, I'm building then upon what something. you're saying, yeah. do something with it. And also please stop insinuating that every person with mental illness is violent and that there yes. is a, and that there's like an absolute association because my next question for you was how does the community receive you? Like, how do people, how do people feel about your community mental health center being in their community that people that are not utilizing it? Yeah. Um, I don't, we haven't had any feedback either way. Um, okay. We do get a lot of clients who drive by and that's when, when we oh, uh, find out how they, um, they found us. It's like, well, I drove by the building and Googled it. <laughs> when yeah. it was so cool oh that's good that's, that's so good that's so good <laughs> and we do um because that is something we we do try to be really data-driven we do monthly reports and crunch all mm. the numbers what are we doing well what can we improve on and um and one of the areas where we get our referrals and probably the statistic of any of them that I am most proud of is that in any given month a third of our clients um come from either returning clients or family or friends referred them to us that had been previous. So nice. And it's like, yes. Okay. Um, then we helped someone and they, they said, call them, they can help people. That is so great. I'm, I'm happy to hear that you're received well yeah. and welcomed. That's great. That's amazing. Um, my question was going to be is, uh, is there anything that surprised you about being, being a director, you know, like something you weren't expecting? Yeah. I still get surprised when people get freaked out by me, start panicking if I call or like mm. <laughs> see me in that role. Um, Cause I'm just Kathy, you know, but um, <laughs> I also get it because I would be doing the same thing. Um, I, I think that's, that's the biggest is like, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm the supervisor here. Um, But I guess having always kind of worked in a similar population, um, I I think maybe I'm surprised that we could make it work in a way that wasn't how you would, 
with the stereotypical community mental health center is like, you know, from the way that we like just are building the uncomfortable, like something as much as that, like the individual therapy offices are really nice. They have nice furniture and art on the walls and not white walls. They're like anyone would feel really comfortable coming into them. Mm. And that's important. Is it artwork provided by the therapist whose office it is or provided by you guys? Um, Either. Okay. Either. So we have, um, you know, if someone has a specific style that they like, or if they have things that they want to bring in, of course, then we can do that. And the person that we have who, uh, who really does our decorating um, tries to get to know them and put That's something so together. Cool. Mm-hmm. She's the one who gave me my big Wonder Woman uh, <laughs> painting. So That's great. Were you happy with how Wonder Woman was portrayed in the Marvel movies? <laughs> <laughs> it is very important. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, in the first one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good answer. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. And the rest of them, she's just a tool for the government and I'm not a fan. (laughs) I appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. So I I like just in general what, um, what she stands for. So she's, she's kind of like a social worker. Yeah. Kind of. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now I'm like really thinking about that. Yeah, I'll have to set, I'll have to see if I can find it. I wrote a whole blog, blog post about it. Oh, that's like amazing. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> I think it was the first four. I, you said I have the podcast on pop culture and mental health. So yeah. that's that's um, mine and one of the other therapists, uh, our little passion project. Um, I say little, like it's something we're super passionate about it, but it's we've always yeah. used pop culture as a way to... Um, connect with clients and as metaphors and uh, it's just very rich in terms of a way to connect or see things from a client's perspective so absolutely can you talk a little bit about your podcast I think we are going to in the future interview your podcast host too Um, (laughs) but yeah can you give us the name of the podcast talk a little bit about it it's super interesting yeah it's called mental mages um so we, we really just talk in general about pop culture and mental health, but not, not about which characters from pop culture and their mental health, more about how individual actual people connect with the pop culture things that we connect with. Mm. Why do we love the things that we love? Um, why do those things resonate with us? So um, and I know for me, like I wrote down, I'm like, oh, Johanna is a music therapist. So put that down as like, okay, someday we're going to have you on. To- <laughs> <laughs> Sarah's also a music therapist. We're, we're, we're double yes, trouble. I'll both of you on. <laughs> <laughs> um, to talk about that. Uh, let's see. We did uh, our, the most recent one we recorded is about Steven Universe. Oh, and- I love Steven. Nice. Oh, I've used Steven Universe songs um for yep. the dbt work so. <laughs> we also decided Stephen Stephen is a social worker um <laughs> so things like that we've talked about superstitions and why do people believe them and how it goes into things like OCD and anxiety and how they're different 
So we just have really had a lot of fun doing that. That is so cool. Oh, that's so awesome. Um, yeah, I love Steven, Steven Universe. Like if I can like give someone a song, it's like a song from Steven Universe. <laughs> that's yes. like, your thoughts are just thoughts. That's all they are. Yeah, oh, there you go. Yeah. 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 It's kind of a hard song to learn on the guitar, but I did it. So there you go. Got some jazzy chords in there. Oh, anyway. (laughs) Um, Kathy, do you have any, any resources besides your, your podcast, which I'm super excited about any other resources you feel like our listeners should know about? Any resources? Gosh, I feel like I always have resources, but now that you've asked, they're all gone. <laughs> um, I do know that I did say in the beginning that 211, that is a national um, number that um, pretty much, I think, I think every state or community has that, that if you dial it, it goes into what your local um, referral so- service is. So I know our local one also is like the crisis hotline too. And I think most probably function that way where they have 24 hour crisis hotline but also a referral source as well mm-hmm. so that is one that's going to be nationwide um beautiful yeah that's great where can people find you on the internet um they can find my podcast at mentalmages.com uh, that's the best way to get in touch okay. with me great I'm so excited to listen. And, and we too. are going to be talking. Very, to, I love that title. Yeah, we are going to so be much. talking to your co-host Shana later about board games. I think. About board or games. Dungeons, Dungeons Dragons. Probably maybe? both because yes. uh, I've already bought board games that she recommended. <laughs> so <laughs> super excited about that. <laughs> she's awesome. she's so good. And even here in our agency, every other Tuesday, she meets. She does Toolbox Tuesday, and she teaches. Um, the therapist to play and use board games in the session. So they'll literally play through a game. She'll show them how to integrate it in, what things it's hitting on, and then how to document it. Because yes, ooh, until you have the wonderful. language to do it, you're like, we're just playing a game. And it's like, you're not just playing a game. It's an but art. It it's an, an art. art. Mm-hmm. And I just also want to applaud you on having such a supportive place that that's like able to be done where, where you work and like be part of the therapist community that you have. It's like, it, it gives me like good goose pimples. I <laughs> yeah. am so, I, I'm so, I feel so honored to be around so many skilled, caring clinicians. Yeah. Well, it sounds like they feel very empowered to just create things and try so. things. That's so cool. I hope so. Oh, I'm I'm filled with like like therapists are creative. Let us do our thing, and we can yes, let us do our thing. (sighs) Yeah, shaking fists at I I yes, I'm yes. And if it's not a good fit with this one, (laughs) then there's this therapist over here Mm -hmm. that may Mm -hmm. be a different, a better fit for you and your particular issue. that's you know that's the number one takeaway for people to know is that you if you don't click with your therapist it's okay to find another one yes you're not gonna hurt their feelings no we can't be everything to everybody no that's why we all have niches and we have you know yeah yeah Yeah. i promise there's a therapist that you will click with yeah 
Yeah. And, and also like, it might not be the same therapist forever. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I've had like four different therapists. Same. Same. Yeah. Also same. And, and like (laughs) Joanna mentioned, you know, it's not going to hurt our feelings. I mean, it may, but that means that we also have our own work to do. (laughs) Your therapist really, it should not hurt our feelings. Can and should be can and should be equipped enough to like not take it personally that you just are not vibing because all human beings are not going to vibe with each other doesn't necessarily mean that that's something you need to work on in therapy it just means that you're not clicking because we are all incredibly unique and if you find someone that you just have some things in common with and click with that is that's chef's kiss that's amazing yes yep absolutely yep 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 all right go therapy um oh yeah (laughs) all right here's our final question for today it's a would you rather question this might be an easy one but we'll see um would you rather be the smartest person in the country you know let's just say smartest person in the world um would you rather be the smartest person in the world or be able to teleport anywhere oh teleporting anywhere because how much time I live 45 minutes to an hour away from oh, the office, no. I could get a lot done. Although that is my self-care time where I listen to podcasts, <laughs> but I could listen other places. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How about, how about you, Sam? I mean, teleport, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't want to, I really want to go to Vietnam and I don't want to be in an airplane for 24 hours. <laughs> I just, there are a lot of places I want to go in that traveling is, it sucks. I don't want to do it. So yeah. 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 Also, the more I learn and the more I know, the harder life gets. So I'd rather not, I'd rather not keep, I'd rather not be the smartest in the world. Agreed. But I have nobody to talk to. Yeah. Yeah. I feel Long like answer. it would be a lot of pressure too. People would be always like asking you stuff and you'd be like, I don't yeah. know. Actually I do. Cause I'm the smartest person. But yeah. yeah, I mean, like, that's why I was saying it was easy because like teleportation wins almost every would you rather. Well, yeah, that wins for like, yeah, you for everything. Like, yeah, I'm trying to think of something yeah. that's really, really amazing that would beat it. But I can't think of anything. I mean, I'm also thinking of that. Like, I feel like therapists have like this like special bullet time, like right before a session where like I can go to the bathroom, eat a snack and call somebody and also like look at Reddit yeah. for five minutes in a minute. Like it's, yes. it's kind of this, and like I feel like that would really capitalize on my therapist full time. <laughs> yeah, <that's> yep. Because <laughs> I could be like, oh, sorry, I was just in Hawaii looking at the ocean, and I'm not late for the session. Like that's you know, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. super refreshed now. Yeah. Would you like a seashell? You know. <laughs> oh, awesome. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for taking the time to join us and talk about the amazing work you do. Yeah. Such a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Of course. All right. All right. We're Fun just going to do our, we're, yeah, <laughs> we're just going to do our sign off and then we'll say goodbye for real. All right. Thank you for listening to the show. You're welcome. Be sure to subscribe, rate, Sorry. and review us on Stitcher, Spotify, if you want an Apple podcast, you can check us out on Instagram at TND pod on Twitter at TND pod one, one is in the number one or visit our website at TND podcast.com. Sarah, I'm sorry for trying to trip you up. Um, anyway, uh, if you, it's okay. It's okay. It's fine. All right. It's okay. Um, 
You can check us out at patreon.com slash podcast. There's a bunch of cool stuff there, like the ability to vote on what questions we ask our guests, bonus episodes, and so much more. So head on over there. Um, if you'd like to send us an email, um, you can send us that at therapistnextdoor at gmail.com. If you're interested in being on the show, check out our Instagram. Um, there's a link tree there to a, uh, a Google survey that you can fill out and we will get and we will get in contact with you. Um, it's amazing. Anyway, Sarah, do you have anything to plug? Heck yeah, double plugging that podcast application on our link tree, it's double very plugging cool. Patreon, check it out. Um, check me out. <laughs> Check me out on Teletherapy with Sarah on Instagram and also my website, teletherapywithsarah.com. Receive two blog posts a month for professional Ooh. millennials from working class backgrounds uh, addressing internalized capitalism and all the stressors that come with being alive today and being in your 30s. Yeah. Yeah. Check me out. Joanna, um, what about you? Any, any plugs? Yeah, I'm going to double plug your blog because it's great. Um, I'm, mm. I'm on maternity leave probably now. So I also want to mention, this is probably our last episode before our summer break. Um, oh. so that's exciting. Hopefully mm -hmm. if everything goes well, this is our last episode before our summer break. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's good. And you can check me out at orianatherapy.com back in the fall with hopefully some really cool new stuff. Um, and, uh, you can see all of the links to all of our awesome pages on, um, on the show notes for every show so that's exciting donuts for every show you heard it here yep uh look out for our resin artwork this yeah. summer um <laughs> and until until next time we, we are, are your, your therapist. therapist next door next door bye, bye.